Hey, Georgia educators, we have new discussion guides available to use with Classroom Conversations episodes. These discussion guides include open-ended questions to facilitate great discussion and professional learning after listening to each podcast. Find the new discussion guides posted with the Classroom Conversations episodes and blogs in Georgia Home Classroom. Good day, educators. We're glad you're here listening to another episode of Classroom Conversations. I'm Ashley Mingwasser, and as you know by now, this is the platform for Georgia's teachers, a place for you to share and learn. Classroom Conversations, now in its third season, is presented by the Georgia Department of Education and Georgia Public Broadcasting to bring you more perspectives, fresh instructional strategies, and some good-humored conversation. Teachers have a big job. Your day-to-day instruction is more of a long game with the end goals of talent development and college readiness. At every grade level, through every discipline, you're essentially coaching for the Olympics of life as students train to matriculate. Today's topic is sure to be a big part of students' future success, cultivating creative thinking. Today's guests each teach a gifted resource class, which is multi-grade and interdisciplinary. Don Jeffers at River Ridge Elementary School in Columbia County, and Jennifer Borngesser at Fayetteville Elementary School in Fayette County. Welcome to the podcast, Dawn and Jennifer. Hi. Hey, Hello. good to be here. How are you doing, ladies? I'm just doing really well. So happy to be here. Happy to be in front of a microphone, Dawn. Uh-huh. Yes, absolutely. How about just, you, Jennifer? Just um, very happy to be here. Happy Thank to you have much. you both. You creative thinkers uh, probably think on your feet really well. It's kind of what you're known for. So I'd like you to react to this quote I'm about to read to you. It's Steve Jobs, okay? Mm-hmm. Creativity is just connecting things. When you ask creative people how they did something, they feel a little guilty because they didn't really do it. They just saw something. It seemed obvious to them after a while. That's because they were able to connect experiences they've had and synthesize new things. What do you think about that, Dawn? Hmm. Well, when I hear that, one of the things that we talk about with um, to students is there are different areas of creative thinking, fluency, flexibility, originality, and elaboration. And elaboration is when you piggyback off of your ideas or others' ideas. So that is something that kids can learn. So when I hear, when I heard what you just read, that's what makes me think of that, that it, he elaborated off of others' ideas and so that it wasn't just like one idea. It was a chain of events that led him to it. Led to that moment. What do you think about what he said? Do you need it again, Jennifer? No, I got it. Um, So I do an activity with my students um, where we we start on a picture, we start on a little writing prompt, and I prompt them. They can't finish it in the time that I give them. And then they have to um, um, walk around the room and look at each other's work. And then when they come back, I say, okay, now now it's your time to steal ideas from other people. Mm. And I tell them that engineers do that all the time. If not, we would still be sitting, you know, tapping Morse code to everybody. Right. Exactly. One thing that I think is interesting about the quote is he isn't just speaking about that kind of borrowed nature or that elevating nature of creativity where you, you see something someone else does. And he's, he's kind of also taught both things. He's talking about 
you saw something and it prompted that spark within you. Mm -hmm. So it could be a cue in your environment. And it's nothing you went out and did. There's a little bit of passivity in there if we put ourselves in a place to receive the ideas that are dawning on us, the stimuli that are coming to us. So I think that that's what's interesting about the quote. But I would love to hear more about the four domains you just mentioned here in the show, Don. What grades do each of you teach? Let's start with that. And then also tell me how you became teachers. Jennifer, you first. I teach uh, first through fifth grades, gifted resource one day a week, and I became a teacher as a second career. Uh, I was originally a counselor in a children's psychiatric hospital. Um, I stayed at home for a little while and found teaching through him. He had gone back and got his teaching certification, and I saw how much he enjoyed it. We both have always loved uh, working with children. So I followed him in, and I love it just as much. And now you're a teacher. Don, what grades do you teach? And tell us about your road to becoming a teacher. I teach second through fifth graders as well, and I am gifted resource, so I get different groups of students every day. Uh, I always wanted to be a teacher. I love that. And when I was in kindergarten, I did cry every single day, and I didn't want to go to school, but I still wanted to be a teacher. (laughs) And um, so as I went through, you know, I was a teacher at 21, and I had a rough situation and I didn't want to stay with it. And I'd call my mom crying every day and saying, I want to I want to go back to school and get my master's in business. And my really dear friend, Kelly, said, Dawn, give it three years. And in three years, she was right. The magic happened. Something and switched. Absolutely. And so I've been a teacher ever since. That's a beautiful story. I think we should focus on this because this is relevant to most of our audience listening, that mm-hmm. idea of maybe it could be a rocky first year. Definitely. Tell me mm-hmm. what was rocky about each of your first year as a teacher. Uh, my first year. <laughs> I, had a, um, I started my first year with a, a rough patch of students, um, and they were a, a challenge to um, develop relationships with. But that year where I spent um, my planning period with the lights off in the, <laughs> in the dark crying in the corner <laughs> um, taught oh, no. me a very important skill that I've used the rest of my career, which was how to develop um, relationships with uh, students who can traditionally be hard to develop relationships with. Wow. And then I bet, I bet that fills you with energy now instead yes. of being depleting. Exactly. Oh, yeah. I love it. There's no mm-hmm. student that I don't love. Mm-hmm. What about your first year, Don? You uh, said it was treacherous. It was like I, you know, was punched in the face within that first year because I didn't know that you don't go to break up a fight this way. You stand behind them and pull them back or get two other people to do it. Okay. You know, you don't do it. Um, but there were just so many students and so many challenges. But the truth is, is anytime you go into a new situation, it takes time to learn. Yeah. And so I think part of that was Um, getting that time, working with um, um, veteran teachers, and they truly helped me and gave me those little quick ways to manage my time and all that. And then it just fell into place. And I'm so glad I stuck with it. And being the creativity mavens you are, Mm -hmm. you have evolved. Mm -hmm. You see new opportunities that you've seized. Who are your favorite creative thinkers out there in the world? Is there anybody you idolize in this capacity? Don? Mm-hmm. Well, definitely E. Paul Torrance. And he was the one that developed the uh, Torrance Test of Creativity. And so I ha- I was trained on how to administer it and grade it. And so I saw how he broke that creativity down where we can um, truly quantify it and grade it. And, and what I really loved is how I would know students and I would know their, them out of school and see how creative they were. And then when they took the test, it totally showed up. Wow. And so I, I 
thoroughly understand it. And so when I was given the Torrance test of, I mean, when I was given the E. Paul Torrance Creativity Award, one of his former students came up to me and he and she said, I was his student and his colleague and he would have loved you. Oh. And so that was just probably, you know, such a... Very affirming. Mm-hmm. I'm actually going to mention him in my clothes. So oh, stay good. tuned. Okay. It's interesting that you mm-hmm. mentioned him. What about you, Jennifer? Who do you look up to? I think about uh, Michelangelo. Um, he was innovative in his technique and his medium. He painted scenes in spaces that were unimaginable at the time. Da Vinci. True. Uh, da Vinci, his uh, sketches were very controversial at the time, his engineering sketches um, that caused like hundreds of years uh, worth of innovation just from his ideas. And then I think about Lexus uh, a few years ago, probably about seven years ago, they developed uh, an actual working hoverboard. Um, and they have a video that released seven years ago where they document the trials and revisions and innovative thinking it took to get there. Um, and I show my students this video to help them know that it's okay to fail. And it took them 403 days to a uh, failing and redesigning to get it right. And it's really about getting back on the horse and letting go of what doesn't work. 403 days. Yeah. That's a long time. Very intelligent people failing. Exactly. Have you guys, speaking of creativity, and you, you maybe think of technology and innovation, have you seen the work coming out of Boston Dynamics right now? The robots, mm. it's, it, I, I won't sleep at night because they're too realistic. Oh. Mm. <laughs> it's, it's disturbing. A few years ago, we took a, um, a family trip up to MIT and we got to see some of those um, in person. They are mm. very... I mean, there's like these four like... It's ethereal. I don't know what they're called, dog bots, but... You know, it scares me. I have a basset hound. She doesn't look like that. And then the the human ones are so human-like. It's like, okay, I will bow down to you eventually. I'm just putting that off in my mind while the world is still run by humans. How do we know when we are thinking create creatively? I can I can pretty much imagine adults and kids alike may sometimes get into the headspace. I'm not that creative. Like it's some sort of inborn talent. But surely there is a way that we can identify in our bodies and our minds, well, this is creativity happening right now. What are some of those signs, Don? So when when before I I went through my training on um, my gifted endorsement, I did not understand creative thinking. So once I did understand it and I really put it into play, I saw how the biggest thing to help people understand is that creativity is something that we can learn how to do and how to do better. So we talk about fluency, which is many ideas, and flexibility, which is different groups of ideas, and originality, which is that idea that is so unique and different, and then the elaboration where you piggyback off of others. So when you talked about how do I know, what I've seen my kids do once we teach them that, and then we also have an acronym for when they um, are doing um, brainstorming, WWPDQ, and I have an umbrella hat that has the WWPDQ. WPDQ on it. And the W is for welcome. The second W is for wild and then piggyback details and quantity. And what happens is, is they understand that it's not just that wild, crazy idea. It's not just that. Right. It's also, can you generate many ideas? And like what you said, elaborating on of what Jennifer said, is I do the same thing where we're in a project and then halfway through we get up and we look around and we elaborate off of others. And what we teach our students to do too is say, wow, Jennifer, I really like how you shared that. So now I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. Or I like how you did this. It gives people like, uh, like, oh, I liked what you did and I'm going to build Add off of that. It. And you're not just copying, you're elaborating. And it creates this culture in the classroom and we're doing it in the 
the entire building of what that, how that feels that we work together. That ideas, we're not just isolated. Very few of us work in a tiny little closet in the corner by ourselves. We are usually with others. And to teach them how to do that in a healthy way, I think, is a great life skill to help our kids have as well. That's an excellent point. What do you think, Jennifer? I think some of the symptoms of creative thinking are, um, at first, frustration and confusion. Oh, man, you're right. And, and then <laughs> when students have more experience, and even adults, uh, and exposure with the, sim- the, the symptoms are more like effective collaboration, like Don was saying, and communication skills with each other. And tenacity. It really helps build tenacity. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I feel this buzzy feeling, or is that just me and my own psychosis? <laughs> when I feel like, hey, I'm on to something here. You, you feel a little lighter. And what you're saying, Don, you're able to produce multiple good ideas and, mm-hmm. and find the best one from mm-hmm. a pool of ideas. Mm-hmm. So oh, it's just so exciting to be in the zone, as the manifestors would mm-hmm. say, when you're trying to think creatively about mm-hmm. a project. And there's nothing quite like being in a room of creative thinkers. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're like that a lot in the media business, right? You know, you, the idea you go in with is never as good as the one you leave with. That's and absolutely so true. those think tanks are, are really valuable. Okay. What's the wildest thing each of you does in your classrooms to promote creative thinking? I've, I've read a little bit about each of you, but I want to hear you say it. You first, Jennifer. I wouldn't say anything wild. I would say that I do things probably a little untraditionally um, to do, to get students to create th- creative thinking. Um, is I have them start something and not finish it because students in general just really have a, you know, they want they want to see something through. Right. Um, so having them just come up with ideas and then stop there. Wow. Because that can really get that anticipation built up inside of them that they kind of can't let go of, which oh. is what I would like to build in them. Um, so I don't know that it's wild or crazy or anything, um, but that's what I do. <laughs> but it's interesting because it's a little anticlimactic, right? You exactly. think you're going to get to the end and you're not. And so the tension that creates actually promotes going further with it. Yeah, exactly. I'm trying to help them develop ideas, not necessarily see them through. Oh, I like that. Okay, Don, I know you're a wild one. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I mean, one of the things that I did for years was I dressed up like Dr. Creativity and I had the umbrella hat on and then a coat and the coat had all kinds of patches all over it. And and then one of the kids, I didn't call myself Dr. Creativity. They saw it and they're like, Dr. Creativity. And so what they knew when I did that was we were going to be brainstorming. And so I think I am a very, like, I get excited about what we do. And so um, when we're brainstorming and we model that brainstorming many ideas, but we're not evaluating in any way. We are just accepting ideas. But then when we talk about how we put them together. So uh, again, I don't know if it's a wild idea, but the kids do have a space that they are free to be wild and crazy. And I, I remember one student came back to my classroom. He had been gone a couple of years and I had a portable at the time and he walked in and he goes, Miss Jeffers, I can just feel the creativity. <laughs> now and he just exploded and it was so precious I'm like oh I'm so glad you feel the creativity oh, here it is palpable especially when you add kind of a performance element to yeah it. absolutely what is unique about teaching creative thinking Don it is unique because it really opens up kids' minds in a new and different way. So if a child is used to thinking in kind of a black and white, like everything's right or wrong, 
uh, or a multiple choice, one of four, that this allows them to see like, oh, there are a multitude of uh, ideas. Yes. And so and I think that really helps them because that that's a real life skill. Right. To be able to do that. And of course, they have to go on to the next step and and break it down um, or like to make the decision making process, like what's really going to work, what's not. But I definitely think it does help them. It's thinking expansively. Mm-hmm. Jennifer? I think what's unique about um, teaching creative thinking is that inadvertently you're also teaching metacognition skills. So a child has to really think about their thinking. Ah. Mm -hmm. How did I come to that? Um, Can I explain my reasoning? Um, So there's not just giving an answer that kind of feels good in my gut at the moment. It's Mm -hmm. really having to push the child and also explain explain through it so they can Mm -hmm. develop that metacognition inadvertently. Such astute observations, you two. I mean, you're obvious celebrities. Any connection to showbiz, either of you, Jennifer? I was, uh, in, way long ago, I was an extra on uh, Pet Cemetery 2 in high school. My mom let me skip finals that week. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. Pet Cemetery 2, I've seen it. Yes. I have seen it. Mm-hmm. How about you, Dawn? Uh, my son was, they, they actually had contacted me as a Horizons teacher and said, we're looking for students with special talents that could help govern themselves. And so there was a show called Kid Nation. And so my son was on that. And and so he was on it for 13 weeks. And we got to make guest appearances. And probably a funny thing about that is they're filming us in our kitchen. And at the time, we were having a soccer banquet in the garage and we couldn't <laughs> let the you know them know what we were doing because it was a secret so but it was kind of funny but we had to real world problem solve there and we just you know made it work creative people do creative things mm-hmm. i like that all right well let's get into our subject matter in terms of the classroom and how you're working with kids to cultivate creativity why is cultivating creative thinking important to develop talent in your classrooms jennifer Uh, Students today are exposed to many different canned activities and tasks. Um, They need opportunities to develop the skills of thinking independently, being posed with tasks that force them to innovate and give them opportunities to engage uh, in productive struggle. So this does that for them. Yes. Yeah. What do you think is developing talent in your classroom? Uh, I think what I've evolved to over the years is that one of the very, very most important things we can give our students is the ability to be real world problem solvers. Mm -hmm. And at the start of 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 re of problem of solving a problem is brainstorming and that you need to generate a lot of ideas and that there's always more than one answer to every single problem and that every single student I mean every single person has a problem every day it might be really small but it might you know like uh, that my favorite thing is when I'm on bus duty and one of my students walks up to me and says Miss Jeffers guess what I solved a problem today and I'm like tell me about it and so for a second grader to come up to me and tell me how he left his t-shirt at his dad's house because his parents were divorce and it was a hundred day shirt and he couldn't he couldn't go get it and the mom said well you can't wear one to school he's like no mom and she's like we don't have another t-shirt and he said we can solve this and she said no they went to bed they woke up the next morning he said mom what if we take a sheet of paper with a hundred things on it and pin it to my shirt and I can wear that over one of the other shirts and I said did it work he said yes I did I said did you solve a problem he said yes I did very creative. Fabulous. Right. So you're instilling that in them young, that yes. life is going to be all about solving problems. Mm-hmm. And the people who get through it well and with their sanity are just adapting. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's exactly right. In your personal experience, how has cultivating creative thinking 
elevated student engagement and learning. Like we said, that that creativity can be electric in a classroom. Mm -hmm. What are you seeing, Don? Oh, I definitely see that. Uh, when they know that it's it's I feel like we're empowering them mm -hmm. to say, OK, Mrs. Jeffers is giving me this challenge. What can I do to figure this out? And they're not stuck. They're not like, I don't know where to start. They they know that they start brainstorming. And we do a lot with the design engineering design process. And and so we just use that model of the first part is that brainstorming and getting all those ideas out. And then also like the idea of ideas sometimes don't happen at a snap of a finger, like giving them the challenge and then say, I'll see you next week. Think about it. That's your thinking homework. I give thinking wow. homework all the time. Thinking homework. So kind of like Jennifer was saying earlier, pick it up, put it down. Come back to it later. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Pick it up, put it down. What are you seeing in terms of how student engagement is changing in your class, Jennifer? Uh, my students are, have become uh, much better at collaborating and communicating with each other. Uh, they feel free to give and take ideas, to build on each other's ideas, and to be wrong. And it's very uh, important to feel comfortable being wrong and feel comfortable in their own skin. Um, they definitely don't feel that way at first. It's very uncomfortable for them. So developing that in them. It's like the expectation now. When they come into your classrooms, this is how we think creatively. This is how we get through mm -hmm. it. And mm -hmm. they have to rise to the occasion. I really like that about it. Mm -hmm. What advice do you have for teachers regarding how they can cultivate creative thinking with their students? One of my favorite activities, and this has, and, and we've actually um, um, initiated a new project this year at our school, and it's called 10 Minutes on Tuesdays. And so I've made up a slideshow and a booklet for every single one of our students, and they're they are are challenged to do one creative thinking activity. My favorite one in that is that you give them a question and then they have to brainstorm for two minutes. And and so a couple elements, key elements is number one, you give them the question and they have to think for 30 seconds. Don't start hearing ideas. Then you work your way through the classroom. Nobody can pass. If you get stuck, then the teacher will help you. And then you take the ideas and you like tally them on the board and the class as a whole is working to to see how many ideas they can come up with. Mm. And you can always build off of someone's idea, uh, piggybacking or adding a detail, and that frees them up. It just, the, the fluency is built up so well. But that activity is such a great brainstormer or such a great uh, um, opening motivator, like to just like review, like tell me everything you know about a, um, you know, a cell or you know, whatever subject you're in to, to add it to that. It's a good baseline. Mm -hmm. What advice do you have, Jennifer? Uh, kind of piggybacking off of Dawn. Ah, I a think, piggyback. Yeah. Yes. Well, teachers are very similar to gifted students. Probably most of them were gifted students in school. So they struggle with letting go, just like gifted students tend to. Um, so gifted students um, struggle with perfectionism, and probably a lot of de teachers do too. So allowing time for students to develop creativity means a lot of time spent in imperfection. So, yeah, allowing teachers the courage to let go and allow their students to just, to just be really bad at things for a while when you're <laughs> developing creative problem-solving opportunities for your students, I think it's really important um, to, to be okay with not being, to, for your classroom not being perfect. Right. Let things go awry a little bit yes. and see how you can get them back on track. I want to hear how this plays out by listening to some examples of how you're weaving your creative thinking exercises into instruction, starting with standards, right? Because we have our course content standards to work with. Go ahead, Don. So if you're talking about the standards that the regular classroom would use, um, and I was just telling you about that brainstorming activity, that two minute, or you know, you can make it three or four, whatever you need to, but you can and tie that in, like, let's say you're getting ready to have a test at the end of the week. Like, 
have a creative question that you might say, blank is the answer. You tell me the question. Ah. So then it's a way to to review, like like you're talking about George Washington, everything you know about George Washington. Um, or you could compare two things, like how is George Washington like a uh, an elevator? Okay, to like he's he's your content and give it something crazy and just stretch that thinking. Um, you know what I was telling you about how we're doing that throughout our whole school. The re one of the reasons I wanted to do it is that all the adults are doing the same thing with all the kids. So anyone at any time can have conversation like, oh, tell me how this went. Tell me how that went. And the excitement I've seen in the kids and the students, I mean, the teachers tell me, the students are like, oh, today's 10 minutes on Tuesday. They're so excited to do these little things. And teachers, regular classroom teachers are so stressed out. And I don't want to put more stress on them. <laughs> um, but doing that with the, the standards is really great. And then so as far as like the two of us, we have standards of communication, research, problem solving, knowing oneself and research. Hmm. And so... I've really found that the engineering design process is a great way to tie all of those skills in. And and then, like I said, like doing those creative brainstorming activities. Another thing, the last thing I love to do is I like I love to take an object in my classroom, like a Brad um, and and hot glue gun it to a um, an index card. And then everyone has the same palette and they have to go home and come back and make that bread into something else. And then they present it to the class. Um, and it's just amazing. What have you seen people do with that? Like it is fabulous. Like, you know, things that you're used to eyes. But then I had one young lady make it into um, a roller coaster. So the roller coaster was on top. So it was actually moving. Oh. I had one student that did it. So it was rotating and you could see, I mean, it is so fabulous. And that's just one of my favorite activities that we've done this year. And uh, just outstanding. That is really cool. What are you doing, Jennifer? Um, well, you know, I've been presenting at conferences for years and I've been privileged to work with the Georgia Department of Education for the past couple of years and developing um, PL for teachers. And one of the things that I will constantly get um, towards the end of a session as teachers um, asking me, um, you know, how do I justify this to my administrators? Mm. And I think teachers understand that finding tasks to develop creativity are easily accessible. I think they just hesitate because they're afraid it won't seem as valuable. Uh, but there are several grade level standards that, that you can use to justify the seat time on task. Uh, standards of mathematical practice almost all support students developing reasoning, perseverance, and attending to precision. Uh, for STEM tasks, these are my go-to standards. Um, for social studies standards, uh, designed for um, helping students develop information processing skills, uh, things like identifying issues and problems and alternative solutions, drawing conclusions, and, and making generalizations. There are um, overarching standards in almost every domain that teachers can use to help them feel more comfortable with using class time on creative thinking and problem-solving tasks such as like making their own books. Oh, that's nice. Plus, you know, you can incorporate the writing standards. Mm -hmm. So you can take a creative thinking task mm -hmm. and tie it to a writing standard very, usually pretty easily. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's a, that's a good idea. An another game I like to play, it reminds me of something you were talking about, Don. It's just a good word association game. Mm -hmm. You know, if we're talking about George Washington or if, if, mm -hmm. if our, if we're talking about podcasts, I might say microphone. What might you say, Don? 
Oh, po- your podcast? Mm-hmm. I'd say, um, I've, all I can think of is blue right blue, behind you. Because it's right behind mm-hmm. you. Yes. What would you mm-hmm. say, Jennifer? I'd say nervous. <laughs> <laughs> we'll stop that exercise. <laughs> but you see where I was going. Yeah, and that's, sure. that's really fun, too, because then you, mm-hmm. you get answers. You get these adjacent words and concepts that you didn't you didn't ever think of, and they take you totally on a new path. And it's mm-hmm. really fun and exciting. It reminds me of a game that I used to play with my kids in the car. What? That I um, started playing with my students a few years ago, and it makes me want to pick it back up. It's, I would. Um, I would choose a word. Um, I, everybody in the car would choose a word. And, and I'm, in my head, I had to start. I had to choose the word first. And everybody in the car would then choose a word and then tell me. And then I had to make an association with one of their words to my words. Oh, Just four yeah. random words. But That's it was my fun. task to, to – and whoever I tied it to, then it was their turn. So it, it – to it find a, a way of, to relate the words. Mm-hmm, There's a lot of creative problem solving. And there's always a way. Yes. You know, <laughs> that's the fun part about that. Well, let's conclude with maybe just your one premier tip for cultivating creative thinking that teachers can take back to their classrooms and use today. What do you have for us, Dawn? All right. One of my favorite activities is creativity bags. And you can do this with any subject. And you give every single student um, a a paper lunch bag. It can be brown or white or whatever. And then inside of each one, give them like an index card, a piece of tape, a piece of gum, um, a paper clip. And then they have to take that bag and create something new. So you can do that generically or you can tie it with your standard. Make um, You can t- say, like, if you're all reading a book, make this into something that your character could have used in his in his story. Or if, the, you know, you're doing something like a history section, like in your, the, um, you know, going out west, what is something that they could have used on the Oregon Trail? So that activity is so fascinating. I've done it with so many kids and just the different ways they use each thing. And then, again, with the communication, they can write about it. They can present it. It can be a homework activity or an in-school activity. So that one is truly one of my favorite things. I'd say don't be afraid to, you know, let let uh, creative control go. So allowing your students to code, they're already on scratch. Let it, let them code something to show you their understanding. Let them develop an animation. There's several apps out there. Um, just don't be afraid to, to let them have some little bit of ownership so that they can develop their understanding. I'd say but, but the most important thing is to start small but start. Uh, you get more mm-hmm. comfortable with it as time passes, and it's okay if you're not good at it at first. As a teacher, you'll get better, um, just like the kids will get better with time, too. It's important. Uh, it's very important work. Um, I know that Dr. Derek Cabrera said on a TED Talk titled um, How Thinking Works that students are getting all the way to college and have no idea how to think through novel problems or unstructured tasks. Oh, no. Life as an adult is full of novel problems and unstructured tasks. That makes me think of, um, uh, there's a quote from a uh, Takumi, uh, they're a Japanese master craftsman, and uh, the say the say some. They, there's a quote that they use, and it's a, the difficult takes time, but the impossible takes just a little longer. Look at that. Be patient with the process. Yes. Mm-hmm. Trust the process. I bang my head against the wall with that quote, but it's so true. <laughs> <laughs> we just want to get to the end of things sometimes, yes. don't we? Yeah. Oh, thank you so much, creative specialist. Did you have a good time here today? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Excellent. Thank you for making it comfortable. Oh, good. <laughs> Absolutely. You, you guys are delightful to talk to. And I feel a, a little extra pressure now about students getting to college and not to <laughs> think creatively. It's up to us, everybody. Yes. Mobilize, right? Yes. Okay. What born guesser is your last name? Yes. What is this German like my people? It is absolutely uh, German. My husband's uh, that's his family. Yes. Born guesser. Yep. Well, we're sure about you, Jennifer. <laughs> Thanks for coming today. And mm-hmm. way to go with your methods, Don. You are truly born for this. 
you know what? I, I am getting ready to retire. Oh. And so I still will be in education, but not full time. Um, that's what my hope is. But I will say that I do feel very, very blessed that I, I, I've just had such an amazing job and so many fabulous people that I've worked with that I've elaborated off. And then also all these amazing students. Like, yeah. that's the thing about creative thinking. It's good for every single child. It's good for adults, too. It is. Really and I've to... done seminars with adults as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and it does... They do look at you differently once they hear you, you know, give your spiel. They're like, oh. Yeah, like, oh, it's okay I to didn't, let go. Right, didn't realize <laughs> yeah, and that. I, you know, honestly, I'm not doing anything um, that's brand new or novel. I'm just piggybacking off the ideas of other people. Sure. which and is still just, creativity. Yes, mm-hmm. which is what I'm, you know, I'm trying to teach the other, the, mm-hmm. the other teachers in the room is that, you know, like, let's collaborate. Let's make each other's ideas better. And that's mm-hmm. what we need to encourage with students, too. My daughter once said to me, Mom, I can tell how creative a person is by how quickly they shut down when faced with a problem. Absolutely. That's the litmus test. Yes. No shutting down allowed here. Thank you, Jennifer <laughs> mm-hmm. and Don Jeffers, or shall I say, Dr. Creativity, <laughs> Yes, to the rescue. <laughs> Thank you both so much for being here. Absolutely. What better way to conclude a creative thinking episode than with a keepsake creative exercise? Don actually mentioned it. In your classrooms today, try the Torrance Test of Creative Thinking, developed in the 60s by psychologist Ellis Paul Torrance. EPT is considered the father of modern creativity. The test presents an incomplete image, and you're asked to finish the picture. It's fun, fantastical, and trust me, very engaging for students. This next statement isn't creative at all, really. It's direct reporting, and that is, you're a great teacher, as usual. Talk to you next week on Classroom Conversations. Bye-bye. Funding for Classroom Conversations is made possible through the School Climate Transformation Grant. 